0: folks. I made the whole 25. Um, Hopefully, we're all streaming everywhere we should be streaming. Um, It's Thursday, somewhere around 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be Well, as far as I can tell, life's all up, but Elizabeth is having some problems, so um, I know she can hear us, so we have her I wonderful... Can.
1: we can. I seem frozen now. <laughs>
2: again
0: so we'll just kind of go with it at this point however <laughs> we'll kind of make her picture a bit smaller and for once we're gonna enlarge mine god help us
3: <laughs> that's
0: all we need is a growing Fred. but okay here we go
3: yeah
2: yeah for sure
0: so what is the word on the street and where wow, the hell are you today? and how's the weather?
2: Yeah, well, so let's talk about what are on the street and then we can go to that weather, which is actually quite beautiful, by the way. Uh, so today, Elizabeth and I were actually talking and that's part of what um, I'm disappointed why she's frozen. I was hoping that she was going to do some Olympic moves or something like that for our segment today, but we are talking oh, about... You're not. Okay, we'll pretend that you are. You're doing some <laughs> Olympic stretches right now. So we were talking about the Olympic gold medalist a thing mo is how they keep pronouncing her name which is interesting because it looks like mo to me and I've listened to it like fifteen times um because I wanted to respect her name and make sure I said it properly and they keep saying it mo so we're gonna go with that um, but the article we were talking about was about her seizing the opportunity being a young girl and seizing um the goal this year after a lot of training and how the COVID year really gave her a chance to um, spend some extra time doing the things that she needed. And you're thinking like, why in the heck is she talking about that? And the reason we were talking about it is because the article tied it to franchising and how timing is everything. And you've always heard that adage, whether it's, you know, when to play the stock market, when to buy a house, right? Everything seems to be, um, about being in the right place at the right time and so we went on to talk about how being in franchising is a lot like training as an olympic athlete in its own way right and in that we mean you absolutely have to have tenacity you absolutely have to have as david and i've always talked about grit you can't give up when things seem to be maybe let's say not looking so good right and one of the ver, one of the phrases that they use in this article is you have to move fast and break things, right? And so I always find that to be interesting because you think about when you buy a system or when you buy a franchise, you're buying a system, right? And sometimes there are things within the system, specifically like um, I was uh, doing some studying last night about um, a franchisor that requires franchisees to buy specific products from a specific vendor. And the specific franchisee was struggling to make any profit because of these high cost of supplies. And so where she had to go in and break things was challenge the challenge the franchisor and eventually as a as a group, their FAC was able to change with the franchisor. And they were able to buy their supplies elsewhere so they could actually start making money in their franchise. So sometimes you have situations like that. And the other thing was to go big or go home. When you go in to buy a franchise, it's really, it can't be half-hearted with it. Right? You have to remember that when you buy it, it's a huge purchase. You can't waiver if you're all in or you're out, because if you're not hundred percent committed, you obviously will not be successful. Um, if you're looking for a franchise that you're not present in, well, that's a completely different model than most of the franchises that are um, require present ownership, daily management, things of that case. So, so wait, wait, anyways, stop, was, stop,
0: stop, stop, Since I'm stop. on screen, I get to ask a question because I get a lot of folks, I get a lot of folks asking me, um, uh, I don't know, they're afraid to approach are wonderful mentors because of their million-dollar status I don't know I look like them they talk to me so um, when you say that I've heard uh, about the differential between on-site um, working in it and kind of that off-site right so what if I'm I'm living in San Luis Obispo but yet I want to buy a franchise because of the opportunity just saying, in the Chicagoland area, I'm obviously an offsite. So what types of franchisees or what type of franchises would somebody like me or in, you know somebody in my position want?
2: Well, there are a whole list of them, but obviously I can give you some that, that us on the show have talked about before. And most recent, top of mind, of course, the two of our Two of my colleagues have gotten into both David and Jerry, right, is the joint chiropractic. Obviously, that is a big one for them because neither one of them are doctors, right? That's not what they do. They're not chiropractors, um, and they can be absentee illness or something like that. Jerry is not a hair cutter. He's got gray hair. He's always perfectly styled, but he doesn't cut it himself, right? That's not what he does. So he's not on site every day doing those things. And so businesses like those tend to be something that you can have a management team. Now, Ray is at the point now, even with the Molly Maid, where he is starting to, um, sorry, my daughter's leaving, um, where he's starting to step back to retire. And so he doesn't have to be in his business every single day either. So there's different points and different types of franchises based on what you're looking for, based on how long, if you want to be in it, how long do you want to be there, what's your exit strategy. That's why, you know, when people call and they say, hey, help me buy a franchise, we spend a lot of time talking to people about what's their long game, right, where do you want to be, and what do you want your lifestyle to be like, how much do you want to invest, what kind of time do you have to spend, to make sure that we really make you, help, help make you make the right choices.
0: Which sounds like you just provided the perfect segue To our guest, when you said financial, right?
2: Yeah. Did you do that on
0: purpose, or are you that good? No,
2: you know me. I just start talking, and things come out.
0: All right. So let
2: us (laughs) let us find
0: out where our guest and is, and what the rate the weather's like there.
2: Excellent. Hi, I'm off screen again. I got. It keeps. This is the problem with the spinning chair. I can be on screen, screen. I can be off screen. I can be here. I can be there. (laughs) You can write a Dr. Seuss book just on my chair. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Welcome. Linda Rudino. how are you? Uh, it's Lisa. Thank Lisa, you. Lisa, I'm so Lisa. sorry. I'm looking right at it. I can't even read. It's only four letters. You know, you know what? I get that a lot. <laughs> Everybody calls me Linda. I'll answer to anything at Killing this point. Me. Well, you shouldn't have to. I spent a lot of time studying Killing another me. name, so you think I could get yours right. And we've talked before. Yeah, Ray. I better let you do the introduction next. This the rest of her introduction for crying out loud. But first, let's talk about the weather. Where Where are you, Ray, today, and what's your weather?
3: Today, your I. Am,
4: oh, sorry. sorry.
2: Sorry, it was Ray's <laughs> good
4: question. <laughs> Go will, ahead. I, I'll get it out. I, I'm still at home, but I, I'm, I'm leaving next week, which is uh, one of the things that you said uh, I will. You know, I am into, and that is traveling. And uh, I will be in Wisconsin next week and probably the week after in Michigan
1: <laughs> awesome.
4: so for the next couple of weeks. So those are the things I have planned. And actually, what I've been doing sitting at home is planning next year uh, because I've already got uh, four or five events that I will be attending uh, rallies and traveling and meeting people and having a a blast. But uh So
2: So that's funny, Ray, because I'm like, wow, you're already planning all of your financials for next year? I'm behind. <laughs> <fine." laughs> no, I,
4: I plan those I, I began with the end in mind.
2: <laughs> yes.
4: So that's that's where we're at now. So uh yeah, well right now the weather here in Aurora is wonderful. It is eighty two degrees and not high humidity, and uh, it's, it's just great. So let's go ahead and uh, introduce our guest, Lisa uh, Rodino. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. And Hello,
2: Ray.
4: <laughs> Lisa is with Fit You Finance. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. It's Fit U Finance, and it's powered by Rodino & Associates. Rodino & Associates is our business where we do the lending, but Fit You Finance is our marketing arm.
3: Excellent.
4: I love what it said in here about you're able to help people with dented credit. <laughs>
3: yeah. That's
4: a nice way of saying ugly credit or bad credit.
2: <laughs> right. Well, just to give you a little bit, um, just last week I had a, a someone that I was working with that had a credit score at 485. Wow. Yes. Yeah. And we were able to, you know, work with them to get them a program so that they can change that and, you know, have some better success for their business and themselves. I would have to guess there are some people out there that have found themselves, especially over the last few years with housing markets, job changes, unemployment, that may have gotten into that situation. How long does it take somebody to crawl out of that? Well, On average, I should say, right? Because no two stories are the same, right? Right. No two stories are the same. It's hard to put a target number on that. It depends on, like, we have a program that will help them build their business credit, but in combination, we bring in people that can help them with their personal credit, too. And we work with them in, you know, in succession to build it with them and for them through another agency that we bring in and partner with. Um, but you talk about you know people are in that pit of you know financial difficulties with their FICOs. Um, yeah, it's tough out there. And when we meet people and work with them on the program, we can usually help up to 85% of the folks that sign on with us. Excellent. I'm I'm texting Fred because when Elizabeth came on through Ninja, we got this feedback. Ah. Ah. yeah
4: so, so one of the things that we talk about on the show a lot is uh the linking of your personal and business credit um mm-hmm. how can you help people unlink it or whatever
2: right so some people never even realize that they can have both business and personal credit so you know first let's Let's remind everybody that, yes, you can start building your business credit even before you have your entity. Um, we can assist with that as well. But, you know, a lot a lot of times the root of the problem with small business owners is they start building their business credit in the wrong way. And one of the ways that they do it is they allow their personal credit to be attached to their business credit. We don't want to do that. We will guide our clients down the path to separate and truly separate their personal and their business credit so that you know they'll be able to go out and get financing on a vehicle in their business's name and never have it appear on their personal credit do you find that the interest rates on something like that are much higher because i know even today when i go in and you know my business has been around for 15 years i go into Toyota's who i always use i normally use a program i think you and i briefly touched about that A few weeks back, um, we usually use a fleet program, but I thought, you know what, I want to make sure that my business continues to have its own credit, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you still got to sign, you know, they took the EIN and all that good stuff, but I still had to secure it with my own credit. And I'm like, come on, at what point do I break free of this? Right, right. And, you know, that's what we work on educating our clients through in this program is, no, you don't have to give your personal information. You know, have it guaranteed with your personal information. It's going to go on your business side. It will be on your business side, the way the team will, you know, set you up to do so.
4: How, so, how, do, you, how do you separate them? I mean, obviously, when you start your business, you don't have a business credit. You don't have business credit. But So you have to use your personal credit so at what point can you separate it and how do you do it
2: well we work with you know our team the back office usually does a lot of that but um they they take them down the path to be able to help them to build their vendor credit you know once you start establishing your business credits like your um paydex score or your telescore, which many people don't realize that business entities have a business rating attached to them, you know? And we help our clients build their business credit so that you don't have to lean on the personal side. And we help them get their business lines of credit as well. You know, one thing that a majority of the country does for, you know, business owners, how many have a Capital One card? You know, the business Capital One card. It's one of the most popular cards out there for business owners. Mm-hmm. It's attached to your personal credit. Oh. Well, mm-hmm. I don't. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, see, and I think so. So I guess I guess my question. I just always want to like cut right to it. So, are you saying that for somebody who's going to start a business, they need to contact a company like yours right away? Because I wouldn't have had—I mean, really, to be honest—you know—the first thing I knew I was going to need was a place to go in and buy some bulk stuff. So I went to Sam's Club and I got two business credit cards with a $35,000 credit line in less than 24 hours. Mm-hmm. That was a few and years it, back, and I walked out going, whoosh, "That's pretty <laughs> easy, right?" Right. So right. I thought, it can't be this easy, like—and so now, you know, 15 years down the road, I'm going. I don't believe that happens today, but <laughs> no. again, my personal credit is still attached to those things. So right. what what would you advise somebody who is looking at buying a business today, who is going to need some capital for this kind of stuff, what would well, you give them advice on? Well, I, I would say, you know, come talk to me, let's get you through the program so that you can understand how to do it and go about getting business credit the correct way. You know, I, I will be offering an ebook so that um, you know, people can read up on how personal credit and business credit affects your business. Um, Making sure to separate it beforehand will put you 10 steps ahead of the game. You know, we need to get that established. And if you Still have a W-2 income job, so that we can lean on that while we're building your business credit, while you're getting things rolling. You know, you don't have to have the franchise in place yet, but let's make sure your accounts are ready for when you are ready to take the plunge and buy your your franchise. Now, do you also provide funding to buy the franchise, or are you mainly for all the post-franchise purchasing? We can assist with all lending. Um, we are uh, we are generalists. You bring me the story of what you need for your business. We will work on finding the funds for you.
4: Okay, excellent. If you find uh, funds. If I say I decided I wanted to buy a home, I wanted to flip. Can you provide funding for that?
2: Absolutely. And my prov- the, the folks that I work with and what we do. When you have a property that you're interested in, we'll get you a term sheet. If you agree with the terms and rates, we will get that process started, and you will get daily updates of what is the progress of your loan
4: Okay. until closing. But that's different from a home loan. I mean, I could probably go out and get a home loan, but we're talking about something different. And how, right. how, how different is that?
2: it's like apples and oranges okay. when it's a home that you're going to live in that's not my that's not my piece i am not a licensed um residential lender okay what i can do is if you're buying it to fix it and rent it or re- fix it to flip it
3: mm-hmm. then
2: i can come in and provide that financing and we have interest only rates that you know interest only options where if you're just fixing it to flip it you don't have to pay prepayment penalties when you sell it if you decide you want to rent it we can get you 30-year terms at some very nice rates and mm-hmm. they'll be fixed mm-hmm. excellent well linda thank you so much and, and so uh, our listeners can find you should they need some advice they need somebody to help them make sure that they don't make this mistake how do our listeners go about finding you well you can reach me on on the website at um, fityourfinance.com or at rodino.net, excuse me, rodino.com. And um, you can call, uh, my number is 516-268-0350 or you can email me and it's my first name which is Lisa at rodino, dot com. Very good. And, of course, we'll have all that information also on our website for people who are looking for it. And I'd like to thank you for taking time with us again today. Okay. And it is and now it time is now for us time. to go and see the bills. Thank you for the invite. Hey, Franchise thank owner. You. How is your
5: local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a Y dot com.
0: Uh, You know... I love when screens just go all cattywampus. So, oh, look at that. Yeah, I, that I know.
2: Song.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. And I don't know why that
6: <laughs> What is just going
3: on? A little
2: bit.
0: It's just... Where am I? Oh, there we go. <laughs>
3: I'll
0: just fade in. I'll fade in and I'll have
3: I... me. Here you don't. <laughs> I am I'm, I'm
0: that's actually, you know, pretty good. I, I kind of like that. Okay. So we'll make it I'm go not, away.
6: Not I'm not coordinated enough to make that happen. All right. Yeah. We I, there, there we go.
2: Five times before I fit into the screen. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I don't think I can talk and move back and forth. <laughs> yeah.
2: Good thing you don't. You know, like me, I have a chair on wheels, so it's really hard for me to sit still, and I keep moving. And anyway. Hey, what kind well, of I, stuff do you have today? You know, well, I talked I, about you. Did you hear me talking about the, the I did. Client? Yeah.
3: Yeah,
6: the we'll joint, and and of course, we always talk about grit. And right. um, you know, I loved I loved the last stuff that Lisa was talking about with the uh, with the financing. You know, I perked up when she talked about real estate financing. So I'm, <laughs> I <laughs> right. yeah, yes. I, went, I went all in on that. Wrote wrote all of her information down <laughs> on that.
3: <so.
6: laughs> So I'll be making sure I wrote it down correctly by checking it on our website. But yeah, you know what, it's, I started thinking, you know, Jerry's doing such a great segment with the, you know, multi unit the single unit owners and, and those types of things. And and again, I started thinking about the, the challenges and Jerry's covering that great, but I started thinking but there's always this other challenge that I know you face, cause we've talked about it. I definitely faced, um, when you're coming out of your job, okay, so we talk about, okay, well, and what goes through most people's head is, okay, I'm going to make the leap. I, I either, it's time for me to move on or I don't like my job or whatever that conversation is in your head, you're going to make a leap. The challenge of that leap is goes far beyond just that normal fear or that normal, boy, I hope, this, I hope this works, or the monetary thing. There's oh, yeah. a lot of other challenges that are going to jump into that, right? I mean, you came from a an executive <laughs> position, right? I mean, basically from corporate and, and you're in a kind of executive position. And there's two, the people that make the leap, I was thinking about this, there's really two different mentalities. There's the the manager slash executive of a corporation or, or a business that they're currently in, that says, you know what, I want to start my own business. And then there's the employee of a business that says, you know, I'm tired of doing I've got skills and I want to open up my own business. Right. And the challenges are different for both. So in my mind, if you're a manager or an executive of a, of a, of a corporation, depending on what the corporation was. For me, I came from an executive position. Mm -hmm. And everyone I dealt with in my everyday life, whether it was in my own company or who I was dealing with outside of the company, executive level to executive level, right? Professional to professional. So really used to that environment. And then I go ahead and open up a restaurant and everyone I'm communicating with are not. Yeah. All of my employees came from whether or not they may or may not have had even a high school education, yeah, right? They might've come from a, a different area. Their values are completely different. Huge yep. challenge for how you communicate and have to communicate effectively because they're still on your team.
2: Absolutely. We have a discussion at my house quite a bit because my husband is PhD and he deals with everybody pretty much at that level, right? And then mm-hmm. as he's gotten in some college kids, you know, that's a little different and you've got different kind of maturity levels and that's completely different than what I deal with. Right. And so yeah. listening to the way he talks to people versus the way I talk to people and then you have the men versus women, how you talk to each other. And it's like, we have some pretty interesting conversations at home about, communication and what drives people
6: and no question. Yeah. no question and, and it was, it was opening but, but again, I say that for those in that position, looking to get in their own business, depending on yeah. what business you're getting into, yep. this is probably a challenge that you didn't give much thought to. Nope. Not Cause enough. I certainly didn't. I, I didn't. Then the other one I was thinking about is the, the, the potential franchisee that's out there that may be an employee. Okay, nothing, that's great, no big deal. Uh-huh. You're gonna open up your own business the whole bit. I love it. I mean, my daughter's in that, that phase of her life. Uh-huh. She's been an employee slash manager and she eventually knows she wants to open her own business. But I need, if you're, if you're out there listening and you're, in a, and you're in an employee situation and you wanna get into a business, it has to be for the right reasons. Meaning, a lot. I know a lot of people go, if I own my own business, I'll run this way. And then all of a sudden they take this approach to maybe they were in a company where they weren't treated well, or they were not managed well or led well, where it was my way or the highway. And all of a sudden they get into this business and go, well, I'm going to operate it the same way I was operated at.
2: Right. Yeah. That's,
6: And yikes, that's not going to work, right? I'm going to do it my way. I want to boss people around. That's what's attractive to some people, not all, but that's (laughs) what's attractive. I'm tired of working for the man. I'm going to be the boss. And they take that same approach and all of a sudden it doesn't work out so well for
2: them. Yeah. That word boss always makes me cringe.
6: Hate that word. Hate the word boss.
2: Boss? Really? Like that's, that's a pretty dated word in the vocabulary. And it really no. defines, in my mind, when I hear somebody say boss, I'm like, oh, that's so old school. That means so many bad things.
3: <laughs>
6: right. That's right. I, I don't like it either. It's, you know, it starts from, the, you know, the old, you know, the the mafia movies, right? Right,
2: right. Box. But, you know, it's very, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very interesting because I think, um, you know, and, and I know that um, we have a lot of different people within our franchise organization even, franchise organization even, that come from a variety of backgrounds. And the thing that I appreciated most about the transition I made is that I worked with a lot of lower skilled workers and that's what I have today. So for me, the communication minus the language barrier is not that much different, right? And Mm it's just kind of the core of the, the basic core of who people are is what you're managing, right? You're not managing to the education level. You're not managing mm-hmm. to the, the knowledge level, right? It's just to the core of who people are. And so I've really enjoyed that. But when my husband comes and tries to get into the business, I, you know, you just, you just, there's so much that you can't sometimes – take that type of individual and put them in this situation you can't take maybe somebody like me and put me in a highly technical field because i won't know what i'm talking about (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know this is that wouldn't work
6: and i think i think what happens to a lot of us that maybe weren't brought up in an entrepreneurial family so Mm -hmm. you know you know that's all new and you know and and you've been structured into a job and you've done all these things you've been to college whatever the case may be all this structure and i think what happens is is you're you're working for a paycheck, you're working for somebody else, and you're putting your heart and soul into that person's company or business, right? A good employee, hopefully you would. I mean, if you didn't, you probably shouldn't be looking to open your own business. But I think what happens is, is you're so used to, to doing that and assuming then what I tell everybody is you have to be careful of your inward focus. So now you've made the leap, you've become a, a, an entrepreneur, a business owner, but you have this, Inward focus. I left my job. I took this huge risk. Everything's all on the line. You have this mentality. And then you start hiring people. And now this is the most important thing in your life. But guess what? It's not the most important thing in your employee's life. And I found myself being guilty of this. Like you have to care as much (laughs) as I do
5: my whole life.
6: But they're not going to. And again, another adjustment that uh, when you become an entrepreneur, no matter what your skills were to that point, everything subtly changes. There's a lot of, a lot of learning in areas that you don't think you're going to need to learn. Right. Right. I mean, you, you found that right. I mean, Oh so my can,
2: gosh.
6: It's crazy. Yeah. Like, oh, they don't care as much as me. So you, but you lose focus on how much you really need them. Yeah. And you know, we've talked a lot about the employment situation over the last few months on in in this show. And we lose focus on how much, how much you need them. And so even if you're not the one hands-in in the business, right, all in, and you have managers, I always get nervous with this because managers especially are susceptible to losing their focus on this, right? Oh. They become they take that inward focus because they're reporting to you as the owner and yeah. all they think they're responsible for, here's my numbers, here's my numbers, here's my numbers. I'm hitting my goals, I'm hitting my profits, I'm hitting my costs, I'm hitting yeah. my sales, whatever the case may be. And they get just get focused on that, and they. I, I think about John Wooden in this. Right? He'd tell this. They think talk about this with my managers. John Wooden was a legendary basketball coach, UCLA, many 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 years ago. Ten straight championships. All the craziness. But a lot of times, recognized as the greatest coach ever. And he had and he had just a simple way of. of teaching things that really got to the point so since that team was so good they always had a superstar on the team right right kind of like the manager of your team if they take that superstar mentality it's going to be a problem so what Wooden figured out was he got a superstar right away and he says hey no matter what happens you make a basket whoever threw you that pass and you make the basket on your way back you point at them and acknowledge them for making a great pass and helping you, helping you score. And I love this part about this story because the guy says, but what if he's not looking? Let's see, what if he's not looking
3: <laughs> for me to point at him and
6: John Wooden told them, they will always be looking. And I take that to, you know, I, I take that to a business thing too. If they never, if you never acknowledge that you need those people on the team or the manager never acknowledges them, you're not going to feel like they're part of the team.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So
6: so the way John Wooden put it, you know, there's five guys on basketball court, 10, 10 you know, two hands at times, five guys at 10 hands. And he kind of drilled into them every basket. You know, 10 hands had a hand in every basket. And it's That's kind awesome. of that same thing. And I just think it's a mentality that sometimes when we make that leap, there's so much pressure on us. And then if you have managers, you put so much pressure on that magic. This must succeed. This is my life.
2: Oh, yeah. And we forget
6: yeah. that that they don't have the same passion, but we still need to treat them. Right? It goes back to that quote I talked about before. You can get everything you want if you help others get what they want. So you have to exactly. always always add value to them. Help them reach their potential. Show them that you care about them goes back to the culture Ray talks about all the time. You really do have to set them up for success, whether you're the owner or the manager. You've got to help them become better every day. And when you do that, you've got that whole team working. And again, I I stress this to the listeners, and if you haven't been in an entrepreneurial situation, you will lose sight of this because you have everything on the line.
2: Yeah. Well, it's like you said before, you know what you want, but do you know what your employees want, right?
6: Bingo. Yeah. Bingo, and but but they're driving us because they're making mistakes. You maybe you you're, you know you got you've got this pressure from the bills, the sales. Covid hits. You're just under stress, under pressure, and 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 you, you think, man, everybody's got to care as much as I do. Well, they've got their own problems to care about at right. that point in time. But so I had it. I did this, and I and I and someone gave me this tip, and I and I you know I took it to heart. And this wasn't that long ago, so we could talk about all. You know, you've learned all this over twenty some years. And trust me I'm better today than I was yesterday I'm better I was better yesterday than I was before I'm certainly better today than I was a year ago two years ago three years ago because I because you keep learning but it finally dawned on me because I I'd get frustrated just like every other human being and 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 I finally put something on and and I wrote it down and I taped it to my computer every time we had zoom call anytime I was talking to manager anytime I was talking to employee what I wrote on my computer is They are doing the best that they can. Mm
3: -hmm.
6: And I literally put that on my computer and I would look at it all the time to avoid, to help me not get frustrated if they weren't 100% of what I expected, right? They're doing the best that they can. And that gave me a lot. That gave me an opportunity to give them the grace and, and gave me the opportunity to take a deep breath and say, okay don't be upset, work on the areas that we want to improve and how can I help them get to those areas? But under the mindset of they are doing the best they can. And and there's one piece of advice I give to the entrepreneurs, potential entrepreneurs listening out there, is, is, is do the same thing. Understand Absolutely. your people are doing the best that they can and how do you get them better? So yeah. that's pretty much what I had today.
2: Especially in today's environment. Thank you it's so much, special. David. I mean, You if, got it. It's crazy. So I appreciate you taking the time, and we know that you do a lot of research and reading and studying about this kind of stuff. So I appreciate appreciate you sharing that with our listeners and our team here today.
6: Thank Absolutely. You're welcome. All right,
2: Fred, more bills to pay? <laughs> She's moving. I'm moving. Let's hope that it works. Can you hear me okay? We can.
1: Awesome. All right. So I just wanted to say another thank you to Lisa Rodino and remind our viewers that she has an ebook that's free. If you are interested in receiving that, email her at lisa at rodino.com. And we will also embed the link on her bio. So if you forget the email, it's pillarsoffranchising.com and search for Lisa Rodino. Um, and the other thing about the word on the street that Kristen and I, uh, I were supposed to talk about was the times and places. There are times for things, and there are times not for things. Um, If you feel like now you are approaching the time for business ownership or franchising, or it's in the near future, um, planning ahead is imperative, and and getting the proper advice on how you get your ducks in a row is critically important. So if you are looking for someone to help you through that process, um, we have our million-dollar mentors available to help you in terms of the preparation that you might need, the plans you need to make, and walking you through the process of finding what's right for you. So be sure to reach out um, on PillarsOfFranchising.com. There are uh, things on the front page where you can fill in your email, and we have ways uh, for to reach us. If you have any questions, I can direct you into the right uh, portal. So you can email me at Elizabeth at PillarsOfFranchising.com.
2: Very nice.
1: Very nice.
2: Jerry.
1: Greetings,
7: Kristen. How are you today?
2: I'm good. How about you?
7: I'm doing wonderful, man. I'm I'm talking about business, which is kind of my my jam. So uh, I'm in heaven. I do have one question. Um, I noticed that uh, Elizabeth was in blue, and she had such a beautiful blue background around her. Uh-huh. Uh, what do I got to do to sign up to start making sure our outfits and our background match? I want <laughs> I want to talk to the technical department about that when we're not. <laughs>
2: camera
7: i can well, do I that
2: can you, you, know, I, you I, gotta get a green screen though and that requires um as you would have seen well i think you saw part of it you have to wrestle with this big tarp looking thing
3: right
7: well
2: <laughs>
7: kristen i got a, I got a partial green screen behind
2: me i see, see it it's beautiful are you in wow. arkansas or where are you
7: i am at the lake again this week that's right. correct down in arkansas so uh we You got to get a
2: house on the water.
7: Well, you can just come visit us,
2: and then you don't have to worry about it,
4: you know?
7: It's like Yeah,
2: you say you have hookups. I'm not sure i got anything to hook up to it, but <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> a man. refrigerator box. <laughs> uh, well, it's good to see you again, and I, you know how much yeah. I love talking about business and uh, all the things, and we have, uh, you know, what are we, went on a third of a three-part series, so yeah. we'll kind of wrap it up today.
2: Today we're talking uh, about multi-unit owners, right? Who makes
7: the best one? Who's suited for it and that kind of stuff. And, the, and the, the downfall of having a three-part series is when you get to the third part, you got to make sure not to repeat yourself too much because there's so many things that, you know, If uh, if you're not really suited to be a multi-unit operator, then I'm going to talk about what makes you not suited. And then mm-hmm. if you are suited to be a multi-unit operator, I'm going to say, unless you're this way, which means I just repeat what I said last week, right? So (laughs) a lot of what I'm going to say today is the exact opposite of what we talked about last week, but I'll point it out again. And for our uh, listeners who were with us last week, you'll notice some things that go on here. So what we're talking about today is who is best suited, in my opinion, to be a multi-unit operator. And And let's point out
2: that you you are a multi, multi, multi multi-unit
7: operator. Well, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. And I guess we can just visit on that for a minute. But I mean, when I bought my first great clips, I only wanted one. Right. And now 16 years later, we've got 36 and we're adding more as we speak. Uh, I'm in another brand and, uh, we're building several locations there. And, uh, I have dabbled in a couple of others. So, um, you know, a
2: thing or two about multi-units, I would say. Well,
7: I, I, I hope so. I think we're fairly successful at what we do. And, uh, you know uh in, in our family we've got a really good mix of talents and so on so that helps when you're multi-unit so that you cover all the different bases so you Absolutely. know that's one of the things when you talk about uh potentially being a multi-unit um and, and as i go through this list you'll understand how that all fits together um, you have to be more corporate minded and what i mean by that is as we discussed last week if you feel you're best suited to be to own one or two locations, you're going to dive into the details. You're, you're gonna really manage those details. You're gonna have in one-on-one conversations with maybe all of your staff on a regular basis. You're gonna have a more personal approach. And you may hate looking at things from a corporate standpoint. But this week, you gotta understand that you are forced to look at things from a corporate standpoint if you wanna be a multi-unit operator because you're no longer out in your locations on a regular basis, you tend to have more office time and be looking at you know, bigger picture type things. So sure. you're, you're, you're gonna have to multitask agro- across a very wide range of things and subjects and work with a lot of different people. And I have a note here, uh, you're gonna have really deep conver- uh, relationships with your banker, your attorney, your accountant, and people like that because, because they become your trusted advisors and you in one way, shape, or form are paying them to advise you as a corporate uh, you know, entity rather than as an individual. So nice. those are some things you have to get used to. If you are not really wired to deal with those kinds of advisors, um, it, it will be difficult for you to own multi-units because we have literally weekly conversations with everybody on that list. Uh, it may be Via email rather than one-on-one on the phone or, or Zoom or whatever, but uh, you have you have regular conversations. Um, they're they're deeply embedded in your business much more so than if you own one or two locations um, because there's just a lot more to it. Um, they they need to know more about what you're doing if they're going to loan lots of dollars to you and they want to make sure they get their investment back.
4: So mm-hmm.
7: you know that's one of those things. Uh, that's one of those things you just have to be prepared for. And if you're not wired to do it, you may you may struggle. Um, one of the other things I like to point out, you if you want to be a multi-unit operator, you have to really love strategize and looking at big picture things. And it's for me, it's almost like chess. You know, I'm moving pieces in return for a piece I'm going to take an hour from now uh, as I move other pieces around it. So in business, it's quite the same way where you have to be thinking, you know, several steps down the road, maybe two or three years down the road as to where your business is going to go. And you have to put things in place that lead you to that point. And in many cases, people are not wired to think that way. So, you know, big picture, long range strategizing, those kinds of things are things I find and people that are really good at uh, being a multi-unit operator. Um, you know, surprisingly, you'll get very good at working with the corporate entity or the franchisor because they've got more invested in you. You're responsible for more locations. You send a bigger piece of their revenue to them than many yeah. others do. So you, you really do have some moving pieces. In fact, sometimes they send things to you to break. Before they put it out to everybody else, because you'll right. break it a lot faster.
3: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So,
7: um And the yeah. last thing on that line is mm-hmm. you'll get used to working with legislators because if you have, as you add multiple units and you get bigger and have a bigger footprint, you know there are things going on in your state capital or in Washington D.C. that uh, um, have a direct impact or need to hear your side of it or something like that. So uh, what I find is multi-unit operators tend to be more engaged at that level.
2: Yeah. So a couple of questions that um, came to mind right away. One of the first things that I wrote down as a note was that um, two of the two of the first things you said, you know, more corporate minded and deep relationships with the bankers and your financial advisors and things of that that nature. You know, as we talk through some of the issues, David and I, I mean, that is less of a corporate relationship and that's more of a what you need to do individually. So you're really more of a CEO sitting on top. You're I hate to say it, but it is, it's nameless, faceless, right? It's chess pieces. It's not Susie with her mom living with her and six kids and -and so-and-so needs a new set of shoes. None of that is in your purview. Now, maybe your daughter, your managers, they all have that. But if you're going to be a multi-unit owner, you're nameless, faceless. So if you're somebody like me, like I... I like to know people, right? That's just me. And you probably did too, right? Because you started out with just one. And then as right. you grow, you have to step back or you're in the weeds. And it's tough to be successful if you're trying to run 5, 6, 10, 30 franchises.
7: Yeah, it, it's impossible. You know, yeah. I still love to have those relationships, but I do have to step back and realize that every minute I spend, um, you know, worrying about Susie, let's pick on Susie for a minute, is a minute I can't work on 200 employees and the issues of the business that impact 200 people. So you're right, you know, our daughters, our managers, we have, you know, kind of taken our look at the human side of the business and imbued them with that so they can keep track of and have relationships with all of the individuals out there. You know, I do, uh, I do a Facebook video on a regular basis for all of our staff to look in on so that they know me. I'll see their names. They might even put some questions in the chat or something like that. But in reality, it's it's the only way I can stay in contact with that many people.
2: Right, right. Very good. I am told we have to pay the bill one more time, Jerry. Would you like All to right, I got more tight? so come back and see me. I will, absolutely. I can't wait. Back after this. There she is. No noise. Darn it. A couple
1: of things before we wrap up. Um, We have a new pop-up on the website. So when you log on, you're going to see where the dream begins. The dream starts here, and you're going to tell us what you're interested in. We want you to get on our mailing list. If you're thinking of buying a franchise, you can check all the boxes. If you need a mentor, if you need some help, if you want to be on the show, any of the things. Um, fill that out for us and we will make sure that you get all the information you need. Um, Next week, we have Dave Keel of Franworth, president of Franworth. He has been on before and he he talked a lot about the things that he's done with Franworth and with and He has the the barcode, Madison Reed, City Row, lots of different amazing brands. But we're going to talk to him a little bit more about Franchising for Good, which is a nonprofit that he co-founded. It's in conjunction with Franworth and they help uh, nonprofits, learn the ropes, get get more successful, um, help them with funding, help them with organizational things. Um, it's a really neat uh, concept to have a nonprofit built to help other nonprofits. So we will see you next week, same time, same place. And tune in for uh, Pillars of Franchising every Thursday at 4 Central, 5 Eastern. Brand work.
2: You know, the thing is, I don't even know the guy yet, but I can't wait to meet him because the couple of brands that I've met, I just really like them. I like the people.
3: Well, and I
7: was, so much of what we learn about franchises is through that. We like the people or we like the brand or we shop there yeah. or something like that. And then you just assume that, you know, everybody up the line is going to reflect that, right?
2: Yeah. And then I went to get my daily iced tea from my favorite, you know, oops, where do I have to go this way, this way. And that's like, see what I mean on my chair? I got to spin. Now McDonald's has a little tiny logo, but it also is now hiring. We are also desperate for help. We're, we're re-logoing our stuff, you know? You know how many millions of dollars that probably cost to re-logo all their cups? That's oh yeah. I, I mean.
7: It's the, it's the reality of the world currently, and I think we're going to be dealing with it for a little bit. But uh, Yeah.
2: Let's thanks. go back to multi-unit franchising. I mean, yeah. that's a great example of a multi-unit dying right now.
7: I, I've got really one more thing that I want to touch on, and uh, and I think it's the biggest thing. And it really is the largest hurdle I believe most people have to go over when they're trying to move from, you know, one or two units to many units. And that is, you have to be comfortable giving up responsibility and decision-making ability to not just necessarily one person, but maybe many people. And when you own one or two locations, uh, it's easy to stay involved in the day-to-day stuff. And if you want to micromanage, you can make every decision and you know the buck stops with you, right? But when you own multiple units, You have to have, uh, going back to our friend David, who does a phenomenal job talking about this and actually walks the walk, you have to be able to build leaders within your organization that can lead similar to the way, you know, you would and live by your ideals and your culture and those kinds of things and and make sure the, the organization that they're responsible for runs the way you would have it run if you were responsible for it. And yet, give them the latitude to spread their wings and you know, go off the reservation just a little bit to try things their way and still stay comfortable with where they need to be. And uh, you have to allow them to fail. And uh, that's so; those things are so difficult for entrepreneurs, type A response, uh, you know, people uh, who uh, like to keep all that close to the vest. And uh, for me, in most of my corporate career, no matter what my title was, ultimately, I was a firefighter. I might have two or three calls waiting for me for a problem somebody else couldn't or wouldn't make a decision about, and I had to do it. And in this job that I'm in now, being responsible for 200 and some employees across two states, I can't do that. And it's not fair for me to do it. I need to have people who I've trained, I'm comfortable with, and let them do their thing. And when they screw up, all I ask is they fix it, let me know what's going on, and learn from it. And we just move on down the road. And many people cannot do that. And if you have trouble with that, I would ask you to not consider being a multi-unit manager, operator, because you you are going to give yourself a heart attack, you're going to give yourself a stroke, you're yep. going to give a whole lot of other people a lot of heartache, and it, it will not generally end up well.
2: And, Jared, do you think that someone that ha- that aspires to be a multi-unit, I mean, clearly when you sign a multi-unit contract, typically you would start with one, but do you think That that it might be wise for somebody to kind of, again, begin with the end in mind and start with one and then kind of grow into what they want to be with multiple rather than trying on the dotted line right out of the gate.
7: Yeah, I really believe it's better to do one and get used to it and uh, make sure it's the right thing for you and so on before you jump into others. I've heard so many horror stories. I mean, you know, franchisors make it easy to sign a, a three-pack or something like that where you get a discount by three instead of one, and they generally give you a fairly long development time frame, so it's not necessarily tough to get them built in that period of time and get them open, but the fact is you may just find out you don't have the interest or the bandwidth or the uh, the comfort with doing that, and then you, in most cases, will just give up the money that you put into buying those and Correct. lose it and just they'll sell them to somebody else. So I like to see that if you do decide to buy two or three in a pack, recognize you're going to have to go through some changes. Don't let it get to you. And I would highly recommend, I mean, I can't stress this enough, highly recommend you get a mentor who has been down that path, who has fought those battles, who lives it every day, who can help take you a step at a time through that process, because it will save you Literally, it will save you a lot of heartache and tens of thousands of dollars.
2: You know, you took the words right out of my mouth because I was going to say, and if you think you want to be a multi-unit owner, I suggest you reach out to Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Hit us (laughs) up on our Pillows of Franchising website where the really, the cool thing is I was just farting around today and I went on the website, honestly, to be told, I had this brain fart and I couldn't remember the passcode to get on today for the show so I'm like damn it I gotta go through the regular show post that Elizabeth sent out because I knew I could see it then and that's when I saw the cool pop-up and I'm like look at that you know kind of like you have a dream right what's your what's your dream and uh it was really cool so you can go in there you can leave messages and all kinds of stuff so that's how everybody can find you Jerry you know to would be a multi-unit owner man, right there's
7: the place to go well i would I would love to just answer some questions for people as much as anything else because it may save a lot of, a lot of time and effort. you know uh, because I'm writing a book or in fact, it's written we have a, we have a, a published date uh, and yeah so on. and it's all about bootstrapping and starting from the ground up as a franchisee and finding your way, which will fit in with the whole mentoring thing uh, and you can do that from afar. I'll be able to give more information out on that, maybe even next week. But the fact is some of the quotes in there from people who I have mentored in the past before I ever thought of writing a book or anything like that would say things like, you know, Jerry's mentoring and help and advice has accelerated our growth process by a minimum of five to 10 years and saved us tens or maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so whether it's me or some other mentor, it doesn't make any difference. Find somebody that's been through it that will, you know, take you by the hand and help you with that. And you will never, never be disappointed in it.
2: I think that's awesome. I have to, again, thank you for your time and dedication to the show and to all of our listeners and people watching. Um, It's been another great show. And I really like this three-pack situation that we've given you in terms of different segments to do. So hopefully everybody, if you haven't listened the past three weeks, we talked about the differences in owning single unit versus multi-unit the people that Jerry feels are best suited for single unit franchises. And then this week we recapped or ended with people we feel are best suited for multi-unit franchises. So if you've missed one segment, go on YouTube, to get yourself all caught up. If you've got further questions, you want to touch base with us, you want to talk to the mentor group, please put an um, email in there, go into the chat section, whatever feels best for you. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, again, franchising.com is the place you want to go. And, Jerry, again, thank you so much for all your hard work today. For our guests out there, I want to say thank you for joining us this week. We hope that you all have a safe and happy Labor Day. Thanks for working so hard, everybody, that joined us today. And we'll look forward to seeing you all 4 o'clock Central next week, same time, same channel. <laughs>
3: I'm going to do it again